So the title of this morning's message is Our Foundation in Christ. You know, it's so important that we have, like that song says, a firm foundation. Okay? We're in a building right now. If this foundation was not strong in this building right now, we'd probably have some problems. One, we probably would have a big problem of they probably wouldn't let us be in here because of that. Two, you would look throughout the room and walls would be cracked and doors would be offset and things wouldn't be the way they're supposed to be. And there could be leaks. There could be so many different issues when you come to foundation. Foundation, whenever you're building, and I know Brother Frank and and those of you who are construction, you know this. The foundation, it needs to be good. If your foundation isn't good, if you're buying a house and someone says, yeah, everything in the house is beautiful, but the foundation is awful, you run from that, right? You don't buy that house. You know, I don't think I've ever met anyone who said, oh, great, I love a bad foundation house, a project, let's go into it. No one ever says that, right? From what I have, all I've heard, and I don't know a whole lot with construction, all I know how to do is, is I'll, I'll go to Frank, I'll say, Frank, what do I do? He'll say, do this, this, and this, and I do it. But I know this, that if any type of foundation's off, it's the worst. There's so much money in that that you have to pay to get it fixed. And it's the same way like that with our foundation in Jesus. So the first question I want to I ask you today is this. What is your foundation? That's what, I want you to think about that. Real simple question. But with your life right now in this moment, not 10 years ago, not five years ahead, because guess what? We're not given, you know, we can't go back in time and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But what we do know is we know what's happening today. We know what's happening right now in this moment. And so that question applies to this moment. What is your foundation in your life? I'm going to read a scripture. This is kind of our main text out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 through 31. And it doesn't necessarily specifically address the foundation, but it talks about who Jesus is in our life. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 through 31 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. And the him there is God. So what Paul is saying as he's writing to the church in Corinth, is he's saying, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because God did what? He sent his one and only son, right? So it's because of God that you and I are allowed to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say, who has become for us wisdom from God. So Jesus has become for us Wisdom from God. Jesus is the truth, right? He's the word, right? He is the wisdom from God. Why? Because he, he's, his gospel, his message came manifesting through him into our world 2,000 years ago to the point of death, burial, and resurrection, right? So he is the wisdom and the way of salvation. So Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. That is... Our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And we we say that a lot, right? If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. You know, we all say that. But it's the reality. So when we talk about foundation, what is your foundation and what are you boasting in? 
Each day that you live your life, you have a choice, okay? Each and every person has a choice on what their foundation in life is going to be. That choice is up to you, the individual. You know, as I've gone through ministry, I've began to, I've begun to realize this very much. I can't make spiritual decisions for other people. I could give them every confidence, encouragement, and desire that they would prosper, but I can't make them make the right choices. It's impossible. And that's become more and more real to me, not because of disappointment or discouragement, but because God's shown me that it's not my job to carry a burden like that. Just like it's not your job to carry a burden like that. Though we care for each other and we want to carry burdens for each other, we can't carry the burden of trying to make a choice for someone else. It won't happen. Because that person has to make their own choice in their own heart. Let me give you an example. When I was younger, probably 13 or 14, I remember my mom, maybe I was 15, yeah, I was a sophomore. I remember my mom we just, I just changed high schools. So at one point, I, went, I, I, I was in one town for most of my life, and then I changed high schools. So I changed high schools, and I was about 30 minutes up the road in Canton, Texas. And I remember I lived with my mom. I used to live with my dad. Now I live with my mom, and we lived right behind the school in small duplex housing. And right across the street from that was a church. And it was a very beautiful church, very big church. They had a real nice gym. They had all the things you'd want, right? Real nice classrooms and all those things. And my mom would always want me to go to church with her on Sunday. You know, so I, sometimes I'd go. But from what I can look back and remember in my life, my mom was trying to, to get me to make a choice that I wasn't willing to make. I didn't want to make the choice of putting Jesus in my life, right? But she was trying her best. But in all reality, she couldn't make me make that choice. So sometimes what we need to understand as Christians is that we need to be making sure that not only are we encouraging others, of course my mom was encouraging me and wanting me to go, but we need to understand that every person has a choice and we all have a choice as well. We have a choice to choose of who we're going to believe in, what we're going to do with our life, and how we're going to build our foundation and what our foundation is going to be in our life. Okay, but, but what we need to understand too as well as this is that anybody can make a choice. All right? You can make a choice at random. You know, where do you want to eat? Have a roulette of, of restaurants, a wheel. Spin it. Oh, this is where we're going. You can make a random choice, or you can make out a thought, you can make a thought out intentional choice in your life. Okay? So every one of us has a choice of how directly or indirectly we're going to live our lives. If you're going to directly live your life for Christ or if you're going to choose other things. If you're going to make Christ your foundation and your purpose and your goal and your desire. Or you're going to choose something else other than Jesus. Because what I read in this book is this. There's no other thing but Jesus. That's it. 
There's no other little exceptions. There's no other add-ons. It's just Jesus. So the reality is that whatever you do choose to build your life on, it will inevitably lead you to either a good or bad situation. Good or bad outcome. What was my outcome? I didn't really want to obey or do what my mom was asking me to do. So at 15, I neglected who Christ, what, who Christ could have been in my life, and I went to pursue other ventures. And where did that take me? I built my foundation on the wrong things. And when I did that, everything came tumbling down when the time came. When I was at my lowest, I looked back and I realized what was going on in my life. I remember, and I'll never forget this, it was the first Wednesday night I ever came to this church. I remember what pastor preached on. Wow, that was a long time ago, right? 2014. He preached on Hebrews chapter 12 and he talked about discipline. And I realized in a moment right then what God was doing in my life was is he had been disciplining me and allowing things to happen. I had been going through some chastisement because I was building my life on the wrong foundation. And guess what? Though I had found him, he had to fix some things. And some things, when I looked back, I realized, oh my gosh, that's why this happened. That's why I went through this. It wasn't necessarily because God didn't love me. It was because of the choices I was making. I was making the wrong choices. I was doing the wrong things. So just like building a home, the foundation in a Christian's life is very, very key. And we could sometimes overlook it. Our first point is this. Christ should be our only foundation. If you have another foundation in your life that you're trying to build yourself up in, I'm telling you right now, you need to remove it. You need to stop construction right now. Whatever you're doing, whatever it could be, if it's a business venture, if it's a relationship, if it's something in your life that is pulling you away and trying to build its own foundation and make it what you stand upon, make it who you are, and it's not Christ, you need to get it out of your life immediately. Because when you build yourself up on the wrong things, at some point, it's going to give way. It's going to give way. Oh, no, well, these people, they really love me, and they're so cool. Hey, nobody was standing next to me when I was in handcuffs. Nobody was like, yeah, I'm with that guy. Nobody was doing that, right? No, they weren't. Why? Because it wasn't so cool anymore, right? Why? Because... What the choices I made had finally caught up with me, and the foundation I built had finally crumbled. So Christ has given us the correct foundation. It's him that we can live and build our lives on. In Christ, subpoint, in Christ, we have a foundation of righteousness. Let's look back at 1 Corinthians, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 again. It says, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. Stop there. So by God's grace and mercy, he sent Christ for you and me and this whole world and for whoever would want to believe. He sent Christ for us so that in that we could find righteousness in him. So when we're looking at Christ as our foundation, we have a foundation of righteousness that doesn't come from what we can do. 
How beautiful is that? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Because I could tell you right now, if Brother Frank, and I'm using him a lot because I like him. No, I'm using him a lot because he knows, he knows a lot about construction. But I'm using him a lot. If he said, Reese, I want you to go out behind the church and I want you to build me a foundation for a building, I would have no idea how to know how to do that, right? No idea. I haven't been trained in that. I don't have the materials. I don't have the tools. I don't know how to do that, right? But the beautiful thing is, is you and I, we don't know how to make ourselves righteous without Christ. We don't. So when we come to Christ, he knows how to make each and every one of us righteous, and that's through him, right? That's through what he's done for us. So he, we have that foundation of righteousness in Christ, and we're made righteous in God's sight because of him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when we build our foundation on Jesus and we make him what we stand on, okay, we have a righteousness that is given to us as a gift from God. It's not earned. It's not earned. It's a gift. You don't earn a gift. I don't know of anyone who earns gifts. That's not how that works. A gift is freely given. If it was Josh's birthday, I would freely come up to him and go, happy birthday, here's a gift. I wouldn't be like, all right, Josh, I need you to do 50 push-ups and I'll give you your birthday gift. I don't do that. He doesn't have to earn it, right? Well, it's the same thing with Christ. When we make him our foundation, we are given that gift of righteousness that we can't obtain or earn on our own. It's only through our faith in him. It's freely given. So sometimes we wake up and we feel like we're not that righteous man of God or that righteous woman of God because maybe the night before we said something to our spouse or did the wrong thing or acted the wrong way or maybe we did something we shouldn't have done. But the beauty in that is this, is that when we come to Jesus and we make him our foundation, every time we come to him, we know that we have a righteousness from him that's given to us freely by our faith. Nothing else. By our faith alone. God sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins so that through our faith in him, we would be made right before God. Romans 1.16 and 17. You know, 1.16 is quoted a lot, but I really like 17 too. It's just like John 3.16. Look at Romans 1.16 and 17. 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew, then for the Gentile. We read that and we're just so pumped, right? I get pumped when I read that. I get pumped because I realize, okay, I'm not ashamed of what Jesus Christ did for me because it wasn't about what I could do. It was about what God did for me. And in that, when I believe in him, I'm given salvation and freedom. And it's not only for the Jews, it's for me, the Gentile. And that gets me excited. Because I realize how much God loves me when I read this verse. And I'm not ashamed of that love. But look at 17. It says, for in the gospel, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by what? Faith from first to last just as, it, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So by our faith in Jesus Christ, 
We are made righteous in God when we have faith in him as our foundation, as our strong fortress that we stand upon. We have righteousness. It's given to us. You may say, well, I haven't given my heart to Jesus. Well, today's the day. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're in this room and you want to be made righteous with God and you want to be made in right standing with him, there's only one way and that's through him. There's only one foundation to do it on and that's him. So in Christ, we have righteousness. And righteousness is being morally correct and right and justified in God's sight. He sees us not through what we see. You know, I always pray that. God, let me see myself and let me see others the way you see them, the way you see me. That's the hardest thing for people to do, to look in the mirror and to say, I'm righteous before God, and that's who I am. Yet, God says, when you stand upon me, that's not a hard thing to do, because you're standing on me. You're not standing on you. So, as we continually make God our foundation, Jesus Christ our foundation, we understand that Christ laid down his life so that in our life, in him, we're justified freely in his sight. Romans Chapter 4, verse 20 through 25. Look at this scripture. Look at these verses here. Some of you may know some of these. Let me find it here. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 25. This is, as we're reading this to understand context, Paul is talking about the promise that God gave Abraham in this portion of scripture. And how Abraham looked at that promise and how that covenant was made with him. I'll back up to 18 so we have a little more context. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do whatever he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Think about this. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So just like Abraham believed the promise that God gave him, and the promise didn't necessarily come from the fact that Abraham, you know, the covenant was sealed with what? The circumcision, okay? And, and a lot of people will, will, will talk about that and those different things, but the reality is, is that the promise was set, the word says, before that. So what that tells us is, is that faith alone in Christ just like Abraham had faith in the promise that God had, if we have faith in the promise of Jesus Christ and we make him our foundation, we are immediately seen in God's sight as righteous. Immediately seen as righteous. But I, I did this. Well, you came to him, right? You repented 
and you came to him, right? You asked for his forgiveness, right? Okay, well then now he has washed that away. Why? Because it says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Righteousness comes from Jesus. When we make him our foundation, we have righteousness in him. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Let's go there now. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 10. And I know some of you even know this verse as well. For it, is, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So, we see here that what we have in Christ doesn't come from how we earn it. We live in a society that promotes that a lot. You get what you deserve. None of us deserve what God did for us. But yet he wants us to have it freely. So when you say, I'm going to make Jesus my foundation. And I'm going to build my life on him. You have an unlimited outpouring of God's love, of God's truth, of God's grace, of God's mercy, and of God's righteousness for you. Every day, every moment, every second. The next thing, it's the next sub point, is that in Christ, if we go back to our scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that in Christ... We have a foundation of holiness. Okay? So it goes on to say, It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness. Holiness. How many of you in here are holy? Man, everybody just like looked up real quick. I was like, how many of you in here are holy? How many of you like to be called holy? Being called holy in our country has... Uh, has caused some problems, right? Right? Oh, that guy, he just, he just thinks he's holier than everybody else. He's better than everybody else. It's hard for you to say that you're holy, right? That's hard. No, let's be real. I mean, come on. I remember I used to make fun of the Christians who call themselves holy. I'd be like, oh, you're a bunch of holy, crazy people. You know, I'd say that to them. No, the reality is this, is that when you make Jesus your foundation, he gives you a holiness. Why are we ashamed? Why are we ashamed of that? That's not to boast in ourselves. That's to boast in the Lord, right? Let's look at verse, what does the next verse say? Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So when I boast that God has made me holy, I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in him. I'm boasting in what he's done. In Christ, we have a foundation of holiness, what is holiness? Holiness is, is being morally and spiritually pure. It's being set apart from evil and it's being dedicated to God for the purposes of God's will. Well, that sounds like, that sounds like some of us, right? 
We've been dedicated to God and we've been set apart from evil. Every day, what are we doing? We're striving to do the right things. We're making the right choices. We're following Jesus' plan for our life. And what, what this means is it's saying dedicated to God, set apart for his purposes. Every single one of you and me included are all set apart for God's purposes. So God's made us what? Holy. He's made us holy. Not because of what we could do or not because of what we do do. It's because of what he's done that we have holiness. John 17, all right? I want you to hear this. This is Jesus praying. All right? This is Jesus praying. He's praying right before he goes to die on the cross. And this is in the NLT. I like the way this sounds. The wording's a little different, but it's really good. John 17, 13 through 19. It'll be up there. It says, now I am coming to you. He's speaking to the Father. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. And I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. We're made holy by what? The truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But why is it that we struggle to say that we have a foundation of holiness in Christ? When we understand that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So in Christ, as our foundation, we have a holiness that comes from Him. And His Word. And guess what? He is the Word. He is the Word. So if Jesus is the Word, and we have the Word, then why don't we believe the Word? Why don't we receive the Word? Why don't we understand that when He looks at us, He sees holiness? When He looks at us, He sees righteousness. Because why? Because we say, Jesus, you're our foundation. You're our foundation, Jesus. Guess what? You're the lead on the project, Jesus, and you're in control. You're the foundation. You're leading us. And you've done it all for us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. And we know these verses. Some of you in this room could just quote them to me right now. Listen to this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now let's think about this, all right? Jesus says, be holy because I am holy. He says, in everything you do, don't do things in the evil old desires. No, don't pursue those things in, in ignorance. Don't go to those things, but live a life of holiness for me. Why would Jesus, why would Jesus ask us to be holy, but not give us a way to be holy? Think about it. He doesn't do that. When we read his word, he doesn't say, all right, 
I want you to be holy, but you know what? You can't be because you don't know how. That would be like me asking at random one person in this room to jump up and touch the ceiling right here. Wouldn't happen. But if I said, here, touch the ceiling, and I went into this closet, and I pulled out a ladder, and I opened it up, and I set it in the middle of the room, and you climbed up that ladder, and you touched the ceiling, guess what? You got a way to do it. So in Jesus, it's just like that. He's that way. He's that bridge for us to receive that. Why? Because it's through him. So Jesus wouldn't call us to be holy, but not give us the way to do it. So when we make him our foundation and we give him our life and we realize that he is the wisdom of God, he is the truth, he is the life, he's all I need, Jesus. If I live in Jesus, you know, some of you read this verse and you're like, man, I, I want to be holy because you're holy, Jesus. I want to do that. I want to live the right way. I want to make the right choices. I want to be on fire for you. And Jesus is saying, well, why don't you do it? It's not hard. It's in me. It's not in what you do. It's not in how many times you get it right. It's not in how many times you're awarded for it. It's not in how many times you perfect it. It's not about that. It's just about strictly making him your foundation, strictly making him everything in your life. Every part of yourself is him. Being what you stand on, him being what you live by. Jesus, do I do this or do I not do this? He'll tell you to do it or he'll tell you not to do it. He'll show you what to do and what not to do. He'll lead you where to go and where not to go. But the point is, is that if we don't make him our foundation first, we can't, what? We can't enter into that righteousness or that holiness. There's no way. Because then we're doing it ourselves. And in ourselves, it's not possible. So in Jesus as our foundation, day after day after day. And remember, today is today. Quit worrying about tomorrow. You don't got tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. Well, how dare you say that, Pastor Reese? I have hope that I have tomorrow. Well, guess what? You don't know. You don't know. The reality is, is you don't know if you have tomorrow. But what you do know is you have today. And when you have today, you can know this. You can have today in Jesus. You can have today as him as your foundation. You can have today as him as your life. So when you day after day make him your foundation, he's making you righteous and holy. And by Christ being your foundation, you are being sanctified daily through your walk with him, through your relationship with him, through that consistency with him. It is because of him that you are are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness and holiness. So it's by our walk with Jesus. It's by making Jesus our foundation. It's by making Jesus the intention of our, our life. How many of you in here, you want Jesus to be your foundation? I want Jesus to be my foundation. I don't want to go through life trying to build my life on something else. Because what I know is this, is if I do that, I'm going to completely miss the mark. If I try to build my life on what other people say, if I try to build my life on what the expectations I think I should do because someone else puts that on me, 
you know, whenever I, I started walking with the Lord more intimately and deeply, my, my family, they really wanted me to go to Southwestern Assemblies of God University and play basketball. And guess what? I had the biggest opportunity to do it. I had the coaches telling me they wanted me on the team. I had the guys saying, hey, you'd be cool to play with. I had an ex-teammate from the previous college calling me and, and wanting me to come do it. But guess what? That's not what Jesus wanted me to do. That's not what he wanted. Because I asked, well, how do you know? I asked him. I asked him, is this what you want me to do? I made a point to say, I'm not going to build my life on what I can do or what I think I should do. Because I know where that led me. It led me right back to you. Asking, what do I do? My mom would say, you're done with basketball? Did you know I haven't played basketball? probably two years, maybe longer. Basketball used to be my life. Do you know, I used to travel all across the United States to play basketball. My dad would pack me up in a truck and I'd drive to West Virginia, all sorts of places, all across Kansas, Louisiana, all across Texas, everywhere to play basketball. Basketball, 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 basketball. Shoot thousands of shots. Go an hour and a half before we had a machine called the gun. It was lined up where you'd set it underneath your goal and literally you'd pack it full of basketballs and they would shoot them out to you in a timely manner so that you could just sit there and shoot for hours. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work. Hours and hours and work of effort consistently. I remember one time I made 90 out of 100 three-pointers. And my coach was like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody at this school do that. Why did I make 90 out of 100 three-pointers? Well, the, the reason why I made 90 out of 100 three-pointers is because I built my whole life on basketball. That was it. Reese, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. Had my coach when I was in college. What are you majoring in? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You don't have a plan? No, I don't have a plan. What are you going to do? Just play basketball? I guess so, coach. I built my life on that. That was all I knew. That's all I wanted. But then when I built my life on Jesus, I found true purpose, true meaning. I figured out what God really wanted me to do with my life. I realized that, you know what, his way was more important than my way. Though my way would have been, you know, pleasing to myself, his way was pleasing to him, but in the end, even more pleasing to myself. Because I didn't realize it until I was in that moment. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. We're going to back up to verse 9. Paul's lifting, listing off some different things in this portion about the believers and how they're acting and some of the sinful things they're doing. But he says in verse 9, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolater, nor the adulteress, nor the male prostitute, nor the homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. So before Jesus as my foundation, before him being my foundation, that's what I was. If you take verse 9, that was me. Take a few things off of there, but that was me. <laughs> that was me. I lived that life. That was my foundation. And then what does it say? When you make that your foundation, it says... Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
So when I make the world, when I make sin, when I make all of these other things, these fleshly things, my foundation, and I build my life on them, I know where that's going to lead me. It's not going to lead me into the kingdom of God. It's going to take me away from the kingdom of God. But when you read verse 11 and it says, and that is what some of you were. The reality sets in that before Jesus I was this, but after Jesus now I'm this. Now I'm a child of God. Now I'm righteous. Now I'm holy. Now that he's my foundation, this is what he's given me freely. And this is what I can walk in freely. This is who I can be. This is who I really am. I was talking to a minister the other day. And if you really think about it, let's say everything didn't go bad. What do you mean go bad? Let's say Adam and Eve. Eve didn't get tempted. Eve didn't eat the fruit. She didn't shove it in Adam's mouth. I'm kidding. She didn't ask Adam to to take a bite, you know? Say none of that happened, right? Say none of it happened. Where would we be? Wow, we'd be in a perfect world. I've I've hoped so, unless God was like, well, we got to do this or this happened. But the reality would be is what? We would be inevitably who God always called us to be. Because if you took yourself and you put yourself in Adam and Eve's shoes right now, think about it. Just, just stay with me. I know you're tired. It's okay. Just stay with me. And I plugged you into that moment. God created you then in that moment the way he always intended you to be. Sin is not normal. Sin is abnormal. Not having Jesus as your foundation is not normal. But our world says it's normal. Our world says, hey, Reese, it's normal for you not to serve Jesus and to love wickedness. That's normal. No, it's not. I rebuke that. Normal is living in righteousness to God. Because if we go back to the beginning in Genesis, that's how God intended us to be. So when he looks at you now, those of you who have given your life to him, he doesn't see what you were. He sees what you always were. We're supposed to be the person he created, just like when he looked at Adam and Eve right at the beginning. He sees the holiness. He sees the righteousness. He sees the right standing. He sees, now I am in relationship with you, just like I was in relationship with them before sin entered in. He sees it the correct way. So normal is loving Jesus. Normal is living for Jesus. Normal is making Jesus your foundation. So we were one thing, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's who you are now when you make your foundation Jesus. If you make your foundation anything other than Jesus, you'll be what we all know as what we were. We'll be who God never wanted us to be. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. Let's go there now. And normally I write all these down, but I'm kind of wanting to challenge myself to make sure I know where all the books in the Bible are this morning. You know, keep myself on my toes. I'm kidding. I'm just messing around. Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. All right. So we'll start in 21. Just back up a little bit. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you 
by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy. What was I talking about earlier? And we're still on that point. In Christ, we have a foundation of what? Holiness. Now, because of what Jesus has done, his death, he has presented you holy in his sight. God sees you holy in his sight without a blemish. Okay, I want you to imagine you never got a zit in your life. That's how God sees you, without a blemish. I know that's kind of a funny illustration, but the reality is nobody likes those. Trust me, nobody does. My wife doesn't like them. I know. She tells me she doesn't like them, and then she's like, why don't you get them? And I'm like, I don't know. I do. But blemishes, those problems, the, the, the imperfections, really that's what that's meaning. The imperfection of who we are as human beings. When God looks at us because of Jesus' death, he doesn't see that anymore. He doesn't see the imperfection. He doesn't see the problems. He sees his son. He says, you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue, interesting, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that's held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard. And that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Interesting that Paul uses that phrasing. He says, if you continue and if you stand firm. Firm on what? Am I standing firm on sand? I'm not standing firm on sand. Trust me. I don't know if you've ever stood on sand, but you, you start to sink. You're not standing firm on something that's weak. You're standing firm on something that's strong. When you make Jesus your foundation, what are you doing? You're standing firmly on him. If you continue in what? Your faith. Established. When I think of that word established, I think of somebody just like not being moved. Just locking their, their, their feet in and they're not moving. I'm established here. This is who I am. God has established me as righteous. He has established me as holy. This is who I am. I won't be shaken. Why? Because my foundation is on Christ. And I know that who he's made me into, that's who I am. This is infirm and not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Guess what? It doesn't say in the world. It doesn't say in your friends. It doesn't say in your own self. It says in what? In the gospel. In Jesus. That's where we find that. It's in Christ alone. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1-8. through 8. Go there now. Oh, I went to second. Gotta go back. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Finally, brothers, we're instructed, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know that instructions we gave you by the authority of Jesus Christ. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live whole, a holy life. 
Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives us his Holy Spirit. Interesting. Paul says, whenever you are told that you should be living your life in holiness, and you reject that, you're not rejecting man. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting what God's called you to and what God's freely given you. He's freely given you that. That ability to walk in holiness. If you make him your firm foundation, if you make Christ your foundation, you have a foundation of righteousness. You have a foundation of holiness. That's not, that's not being perfect. But that's striving every day to continue and to be sanctified in him every day and to live a life in Christ. Third, third sub point is this. Oh man, it's already 1142. Uh-oh, I'm kidding. Y'all aren't hungry. All right. Third thing is this. In Christ, we have a foundation of redemption. We have redemption. We have redemption in Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going there now too. I got it written down, but I'm just going to go there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Look at verse 7. In him we have redemption, and through his blood the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. It says God's lavishing this grace, lavishing this wisdom. He lavished this on us. He wanted us to have it. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption. I don't know about you, but I love that word, redemption. It was so funny. When I was preparing this, I had a brother, brother part of this church called me. I said, man, just keep praying for me. You know, I'm preparing for Sunday. Man, you're going to talk about redemption at some point. I know it. How do you know that? That's what I said. He said, I just feel it in my spirit. Sure enough, here we are. We're talking about redemption. But redemption is so important because God, he's redeemed us and he's brought us out of a life of sin. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that he brought me out of a life of sin. Because what I do know is this, is that if, if I wouldn't have gotten out of that life of sin, then my foundation would have continued to be in sin, right? That's what, and guess what? What does that lead to? Death. That doesn't lead to life. There's no life in sin. So God, he loves you and I so much. He not only wanted to make us righteous, he not only wanted to make us holy, but he wanted to redeem us now. Think about it. He wanted to redeem us now. He wanted to make sure that now we could live out this life in him. He wanted to make sure that we could endure in that and we could love and follow him. Look at Psalms 111. That's a big jump. But it's worth it because it's God's word, right? Everything in his word is worth it. Every, every word in here is worth it in your life, to be putting it in your life and applying it. Look at Psalms 111, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through this psalm. It says, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They, 
They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Verse 9, he provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. What is the covenant that he's established with us? It's the same covenant that he established with Abraham that I talked about in Romans chapter 4. It's that covenant that we are made righteous and holy through our faith, our love, and our devotion to his son, Jesus Christ. When we put our lives and our hope and our trust in him, that's the covenant. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it's been given to us. We've been able to partake of it. And God says he's provided us redemption. And he's ordained and given us his covenant forever. Forever. When God says forever, he means forever. When we say forever, we only mean for a moment. Because we can't even comprehend forever. We can't. I'm so thankful that God isn't like us. That's, he is who he says he is. So Christ has redeemed us from sin. And we can walk freely today. We can walk in righteousness today. We can walk in holiness today. So those, those three things, if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, because of God that we're in Christ Jesus, and who has become wisdom for us from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. So my second point today is this. It's a question. Pull that up. I'm going to make sure you all see this. What are you building on your foundation? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. When you get to this scripture, it gets kind of interesting when we're talking about foundation and what, who Christ is as our foundation. Verse 10, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Uh, you know what, Kevin, I'm so sorry, I keep backing it up. I'm going to back it up again because he has it all set up away. Go to eight, because it just gives more context. It says, the man who plants and the man who waters. So he's talking about planting and watering. He's talking about some plant the seed and some water the seed. Okay, so that's kind of the gist. He's talking about these different things. So he says, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me. I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. 
For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So we talked about Jesus being our foundation, being our righteousness, being our holiness, being our redemption. And we're talking about how we build our life on him. And then I asked you this question, and this is, we're, we're about to come to the end. If we could have the worship team, if y'all could come up. And we're going to have a little bit of a time of just praise. And we're going to sing that song again that we sang earlier. And we're going to pray and ask God to, to purposely put in our hearts the desire to be building our lives on him. My question to you is this, what are you building on your foundation? Do you understand that what this scripture is teaching is that at some point, everything that you've built in this life, everything that you've done, every intentional thing that you've made for Christ is going to mean something. It's going to mean something. Why? Because when we stand before him, he's going to test it with fire. And what is rewarded will come from that. What do you mean? Well, if we decide to build our lives in Christ and live for his His. Uh, word and obey his word and, and live our lives in his love and purpose our intentions on doing his work. We're building ourselves up. We're building, what are we building? on With precious metal. We're building with precious gold. We're building with precious stone. We're building with these things. But if we decide to, to build our lives, oh yeah, you know, I love Jesus. And yeah, he could be my foundation, but I'm doing this. You know, yeah, you know, I believe in him. And I'm going to do this, but you know what? You know, I, I won't do that. That's too much. Or, or you know what? I won't be all in. I'll be halfway in. I don't necessarily have to do everything he wants me to do you know and we're not really building our homes in Jesus Christ as the foundation we're not really building our life our family our desires our intentions our daily choices on what he wants what does he say yeah you may have that faith that initial faith that'll what save you but what you will have built in your life will be burned up in a moment and you'll suffer a loss how many of you want to go to heaven, stand before the Father, Him judge your life, look at it, test it with fire, and, and it, like if we just can imagine it right now, I don't even know what it's going to look like, but if we could just put an image in our head right now of what we built in our life, and he, it's tested by fire, and He looks at it, and it's like, what did you do? Yeah, you have me as your foundation, but you didn't, you didn't do anything after that. You didn't make an effort. Yeah, you can enter in, but you've suffered a loss. I don't know about you, but I don't want to suffer a loss with Jesus. I want everything that I could do to be about him because of what he's done for me. I want everything, any possible thing that I could build my life on it, be the correct things. Why? Because at the end, it's going to be tested. Everything you do is going to be judged before God, good or bad secret or open it's going to happen and i ask this question at the end not to shame anyone not to make anyone feel less than i ask this question at the end or make me feel better because guess what i have to do this too 
And did you know this, that the word of God says, don't count to yourself to want to be a teacher of the word. You know, I'm paraphrasing in James, you can read it. The book of James, he talks about, you know, those of you who want to be teachers, remember that even those teachers are going to be judged twice as hard for what they teach. I'm going to have to hold an account for what I have spoken to you today, even today, every time. Every time I open this word and I speak to you, every time pastor opens the word and we speak to you. And so what do we want to do? Do we want to build this church? Do we want to build this community? Do we want to build it up with, with clay and with wood and with chaff and with straw and with things that just burn and just waste away? No, we don't want to do that. We want to build it up with precious stone and precious metal and the preciousness of God's love and faith and truth. Why? Because guess what? When the fire comes, when the testing comes, that's what lasts. That's what lasts. What are you building on your foundation? What are you building on it? Are you building on your foundation in Christ? Or are you building on your foundation in yourself? Are you building on your foundation about what other people think? Are you building on your foundation about the limitations you're giving yourself? Well, I couldn't do that because God hasn't called me to do that. No way, man. I just read his word. His word says that you're righteous. His word says that you're holy. His word says that you're redeemed. His word says that you're called. His word says, no, you can do that. You can do what he's called you to do. You can go and reach out to the people in your community. You can go and, and, and build up those around you and share the gospel. You can go and see somebody get healed. You can go and see God move and work in someone's life. Why, it's yours. So what are you going to build on your foundation? Are you going to build what the kingdom of God wants you to build? Or are you going to build what the kingdom of yourself wants? Are you going to build what the kingdom of what the world wants? Or are you going to do what Jesus wants you to do? I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I want to build my life on him. Not just as my foundation, but at every building block, every intention be him. Because guess what? Then I know that when I stand before him, I won't have to be ashamed. I won't have to be. I'll just smile at him. He'll know. He'll smile back at me. He'll know. I want to read this. This is a fire Bible, and it has some study notes in it. And I just want to read a portion that just spoke to my heart about this. The careless Christian is in danger of experiencing loss or damage through a feeling of shame at Christ's coming, a loss of his or her's life work for God. A loss of glory and honor from God. A loss of opportunity for true service and walking in the true authority that is in heaven and has been given to them. A low position in heaven. A loss of a, of a reward. A repayment for the wrong done to others. These passages should impress on us the need for complete dedication and self-sacrificing service to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when we do that, you're going to build everything on your foundation for God's glory. Your home is going to be built up. Your kids are going to be built up. Your family, your friend, everything, everything will be built up on him. We're going to close with this. I would like for everyone in here to stand up, please. And we're going to worship. And we're going to make a point in this time of worship to intentionally say to God remember what I said at the beginning every one of you has a choice remember I have my own choice just like my wife has her own choice we all have our own choices yes we're one together in Christ 
But she still has to make the choices too that I have to make. We have to be coming in an agreement. But not only that, as the body of Christ, we have to be coming in agreement. Because if we don't, there isn't true unity. There's not true unity. And if we're called to be united in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if we're called as the holy temple of God who's built on him, then we need to be united in the intentions of how we're going to build our lives. Because guess what? If we don't, and we picture the kingdom of God like it is, and we picture this church not as a building, but as a people, and we picture it as all of us being stones in the temple, like the word says. But some stones aren't there. I know there's a hole in the gap. There's a hole in one of the walls. The enemy's starting to come in. What happened to the stone that was, that was in that spot? What happened to it? Well, it wasn't in agreement. You see, we can't fall away from each other. We cannot afford to not be united. Because what you have to understand is the longer we're here right now, the worse things are going to get. We prayed for our nation, right, earlier? The worse things are going to get. And what does that mean? Does that mean things are going to get easier? No. That means things are going to get worse. That means it's going to be harder to be a Christian. And the Word talks about that. The Word talks about how in the last days it's going to be hard to follow the faith. That people are going to fall away. But as a body, we need to stay united. We don't need to fall away. We need to press in. We need to be building each other up. I don't know about you, but I want this body to be made out of precious stone. I want it to be strong. I want it to be doing the will of God and walking in the kingdom of God, united together so that we can make an impact here in this community. So that if we left and something happened, the people in this community would go, where did those people go? Where did they go? We need them. Where did they go? That there would be an impact from it. But that all starts with your choice of what you want to do with your life, of how you want to build your life. If you want to build your life on Christ as your foundation and you want him to build you up in the things that he's called you to do. Because like I said earlier, we went through it in scripture and there's so much more than just what I spoke. We could, we could go till midnight tonight with all the scripture. God has told us we know how it's in him. So I'm going to pray, and this is all I want us to do. I just want us to worship. And when I say worship, I always enter in, when I enter into worship, I say this out loud to myself. It's just me and you, God. Yeah, I'm in the body and I'm with the body, yes. But when I'm worshiping you, I just want to focus on you. I'm not worried about what other, another person's doing during worship. I'm not worried about if they got their hands up. I'm not worried about, you know, if, if they're, you know, dancing. I'm worshiping you. I want us to do that. I just want us to worship him and say in our hearts, God, we're making you the foundation of this church. We're making you the foundation of our lives and we're gonna build our lives up in you. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that everything that happened today wasn't about me because when I boast, I can't boast in myself. I can only boast in you. That's it, Lord. And right now, I only boast in you. 
God, I boast in who, in who you are. I boast in the fact that you have made us righteous and you have made us holy and you have redeemed us. I boast in the fact that, Lord, you desire for us to stand firm and established on you and you want us to walk in the things that you've called us to walk in and you want us to build our lives in your love and in your truth and in your word and your grace and you want us to build our lives in the calling that you've given us so that in the end, Lord, we know that our life didn't amount to nothing but it amounted to something so spectacular and amazing, not for us to boast in but for your glory, God, so that the people in this city and the people in this world and the people in our lives could see who Jesus is. They could see who you are. They could say, how did, how did God take that and turn it into that? And if he could do that for him, he could do it for me. Father, I pray that we would intentionally make choices to build our lives on you. I pray that our heart's desire would be walking in you. To intentionally, intentionally, God, ask you, what do you want me to do, Lord? You want me to serve in this ministry? Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Wholeheartedly, I'll do it. Lord, you want me to go do this today? You want me to pray with this, this person? I'll do it. Because, Lord, my life's built in you. It's not built in me anymore. You tore down that kingdom, and you've given me yours. So, Lord, we worship you right now. We praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus.
eye closed right now. If you feel like today this message spoke to you, that the Lord was speaking to you about maybe the foundation that you've been building on in your life, and you want God to just be that foundation, and you want prayer for that, just raise your hand. If there's anyone in here, just raise your hand. Okay. When I pray, don't think it's about me praying. It's about God, the Father in heaven. And so when I pray, I want you to pray. Those of you that raise your hand, and really I want us all to pray. But understand, there's no special, it, it's not like some people are a little more special than others. No, it's, it's, we all serve the same God. And so let's believe in our heart and let's declare to him that today, from now on, he's gonna be the foundation in our lives. He's gonna be the rock. He's going to be what we build our life on, what we build our family on, what we build the church on, what we build our choices on. Him, not all the other things, not all the other emotions, not all the other people, Him. So let's pray that today. Let's believe that today. Lord, I thank you right now for every person here, God. I thank you, Lord, for those who you've touched today with this word. Lord, I thank you that it's not me, it's you, God. And I pray that they would know today that you, God, are working and moving in their lives. Father, I pray and I ask that you would begin to stir their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit to consistently, continually, day by day, Lord, make you their foundation. I pray, Lord, that our homes would be built on you. Our marriages would be built on you. Our our relationships would be built on you. Our desires would be built on you. The way we love people would be built on you. The way we choose to to speak to others, the way we make choices in our daily life, they would be built on you. And that God, from that, you would be building up in our lives precious, precious, precious things. Whether it be in ministry, whether it be just in a passing kindness and encouragement. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord that you will be the foundation of that. So that when people ask, why do you do that? Why do you always do that for those people? Why, why do you treat this person this way, yet they, they act so mean to you and hateful to you? Why do you always help those people who, who really should just go help themselves? Why do you always do that? It's because Jesus, he's my foundation. He's my foundation. And that's what he's called me to do. Why do you want to pray with people? Why do you want to preach the gospel? It's because of Jesus. He's my foundation. It's because of who he has called me to be and made me to be. I pray that that would be the desire of our hearts, God. Thank you, Father. I thank you that it's just through faith alone. And give us that childlike faith to receive it, God. No strings attached. I thank you for that, Father. We believe today, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. I want to say this before we dismiss Every single thing you do is important. It doesn't matter if you don't think it is. I was talking with someone, and they live in a place where they're able to minister to others, and they were telling me about how people come to them with needs. And a lady came to this person with the need of just fixing a simple lamp. And they fixed that lamp but do you understand the magnitude? Oh, that, oh, they just fixed the lamp. No, 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 no. 
they fix the lamp with Jesus' love in their heart to show that person that, 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 you know what, you matter. Yeah, it may be a lamp, but you matter. I'll help you. I've gone to everyone else. No one will help me. I'll help you. Doesn't, isn't that what Jesus does? Jesus helps the ones who really have no help, right? Who have no one else. And so everything you do matters. From telling someone at the supermarket that God loves them to going and doing an evangelism outreach with the church, every single thing you do matters because you do it for God's glory. You do it to preach the message of Him, to share Him in the relationship you have with Him. Don't limit what you do for God based on how you serve in the church. There's no limits with God. I remember I was in a Walmart one time and all I said was, God bless you, ma'am. She gave me my receipt. She just started wailing, crying. I needed that so bad. What do you mean? I mean, how hard is it to say, God bless you? God loves you. It's not hard. But when you're willing to do that, just that little thing. What did the, the, the man say? to Jesus. Jesus, are you willing? Did Jesus say, no, I'm not. Did he say, I don't have time for you. I got to get over here. I got to do this. No, he didn't say that. I got this job to do. I don't have time. I got to do this. That guy looks scary. I don't want to talk to him. No. Jesus said, I'm willing. Are you willing, Jesus? Are you willing to heal me? I'm willing. We need to have, I'm willing. When we see someone and you feel the Holy Spirit pull on your heart to go, to go over there and to say something to them or a moment to bless someone, a moment to share God's love with them, you need to say, God, I'm willing, I'll do it. Because he was willing to come to you. He was willing to come to you. Father, thank you right now. We want to be a willing church. We want to say, send me, I'll go. And I pray that that would be our heart's desire, to live our lives in you, God. We love you, Lord. Forgive us and cleanse us today. As we leave here, God, let us share the love of God with those around us and let us tell them of the the amazing forgiveness and grace that's been given to us, that can be given to, to them, Lord. Help us to do your work. Lead us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just worship you today, God. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.